February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. And today on Savvy Citizen, we're speaking with Molly Weekland, who's with the Hope United Survivor Network. Molly's going to be speaking to us a little bit about Hope United and how they can help educate your teens about teen dating violence, some of the signs to look for, some of the statistics on the issue, and why this is becoming a more prevalent problem in our society. All right, so we're here with Molly Weekland, and Molly, you are with Hope United Survivor Network, and what's what's your official title with Hope United? It is Special Events and Marketing Coordinator. Which doesn't really tell the entire story of everything that you do, because you wear a lot of different hats for them. I do. <laughs> I, I do a lot of outreach, a lot of education, training, and uh, fostering relationships with, with community partners and just the community in general. Gotcha. And Vincent Wong is joining me today. Vincent is our executive project manager here in the county manager's office. He's been on the podcast twice before as a guest uh, when he was still working for the city of Gastonia. And now he works for us at Gaston County. And I've uh, I've wrangled him into being a guest co-host. Yeah, it's good to be on uh, this side of the table. It's uh, it, the, the seat's a little less warm, right? It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> um, so this is this is a uh, events. Well, not an event, but this month is teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, right, Molly? Correct. So talk to me a little bit about why that's become a month. I mean, I guess for me growing up as a teenager, maybe this is the being a guy, I don't think about it as much. But, like, is it is it a large issue that affects a lot of a lot of our teens? It is, and it is um, it is increasing um, each really each year. Um, right now the statistics show that women – in general, between the ages of 16 and 24 are at the highest risk of intimate partner violence in general. So that could be a dating partner. It could be, um, uh, at that point, at 24, it could be your husband or your wife. So that is the age group that's experiencing the highest rates of intimate partner violence. So getting in front of it, talking to kids who are maybe not yet dating um, raising awareness around the issue so that parents start thinking about what kind of conversations to have with maybe my middle schooler so that when they get to an age where they are dating, they have kind of the tools that they need to make good decisions and know what a good relationship might be. So, We had you on last month talking about um, human trafficking awareness. And one of the things that I remember from that conversation is you were talking about body safety. Is that, is that kind of tie into this in terms of some of the work that you guys do with um, the youth in our community? Absolutely. So it's a, what we know about domestic violence as a whole and intimate partner violence is that it's all about power and control. So if we talk to really young kids about body safety and, and giving them the power and the control over their body and their mind and how they're treated, then as they move through life and start dating, then they're that kind of translates into their relationships with people outside of their family um, or even with friends and having healthy relationships and setting healthy boundaries. So I see this being kind of a very sensitive issue to talk to and for parents to really broach the subject with their kids. What are some things that you think they can use as techniques to bring that up? Yeah, so it can be really difficult for, for parents and caregivers to talk about because when we were growing up, it wasn't something that our parents necessarily talked to us about, and we, don't, we didn't have um, a class on it like, like a lot of teachers will teach now. Um, 
certain sections of their health class will be on healthy relationships. Hmm. Um, so I think that visiting Hope United's website, reaching out to us, we would be more than happy to um, to provide information for parents. And um, we have a presentation that we give to um, kids as young as middle school that um, has some some ways that you can keep yourself safe, but also how parents can, from an outside looking in, have those difficult conversations in a respectful way and also in an empowering way so that it opens the lines of communication. One of the things that we have heard from parents whose kids have died at the hands of their abuser um, in dating violence incidents is, I wish the lines of communication had been more open. I wish they would have reached out um, and so having those conversations kind of opens those lines of communication so that um, so it goes both ways for parents and kids. What are some warning signs that you should be looking for if, if you're a parent or, a, you know, a teacher or, you know, maybe just even if you're in that age range and you've got other friends? I mean, what are, what are some of the things that, that you should keep, in, keep an eye out for? So I think that the biggest one is probably isolation. So it's much easier to perpetrate violence or even to control um, with mental abuse or um, emotional abuse. It's a lot easier to control someone who's isolated because um, a lot of teens may have friends or youth groups or maybe they're involved in sports or Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. And as they start to withdraw from that, they're losing their support system that may be able to recognize like, hey, what is that? mark on your arm or why are you always looking at your phone Mm. um why does your boyfriend wait outside of school every day for you why can't you stay and talk to us so the biggest one is going to be isolation and then from there it's uh kind of those controlling behaviors by um a boyfriend or a girlfriend so um always calling to check up on them even when they know they're let's say i always give this example if you're at the movies if i say to my boyfriend i'm going to the movies it's going to last two hours and he calls and texts 57 times, and I say, I'm, I, I told you I was going to call you when I got out of the movie. That's certainly a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, respect my boundary. I'm here to watch a movie. I'm hanging out with my friends, um, and you constantly, constantly need to check in on me. So um, things like that are definitely, and then, of course, the physical. So um, I think that it's a good idea for parents to check social media if it's at all possible um, to a lot of kids and teens or meeting people online, especially as the world has gone virtual. So um, keeping an eye on those types of platforms where they might be meeting people and and kind of getting to know the people in your child's life so that you can, you know, if something is awry. There's always (coughs) that kind of the the joke about parents, the dad sitting on the porch with a shotgun. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it's as I get closer to the age when my daughter would start dating, I start to think that that might be a better idea. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it can be a scary place and it's definitely a different world than we grew up in with all of the online and the apps and all of that. You know, for me, a lot of what I did as a teenager took place, you know, in my neighborhood, out front of my friend's house, like that's where we hung out. We didn't hang out online and in chat rooms or on different video games or um, chat apps and all of that. So, 
and we sound like we're like you know 60 years old at this point talking about oh my gosh back in the day it's like this wasn't even all that long ago i know i know it's uh but it has changed a lot but it does make us sound quite dated yeah. <laughs> a little antiquated right it, it's very interesting i think a couple of years ago this kind of through kind of went on my radar and kind of brought a light to it was the uh show 13 reasons why oh yeah And so having you know i guess if parents have that and can watch that with their kids and talk about things um it really helps but what are other is there any other like um media things or or shows or stuff that kind of help address that that can kind of be an introduction to to have that conversation um the one that comes to mind and this has just been my go-to lately is made because you, in that series, you get to see um, a lot of different things at play. But one of them is what abuse looks like when it's not physical. Mm. Um, and and in that case, the parents had differing kind of opinions on, on the main character's relationship. And there's also a book about it, which if Netflix is not your your thing, you can read the book made. But it it goes through, they were dating um, and she, because of kind of the family dynamics and other unhealthy relationships in her life, she clung to this partner who was abusive. Mm. And then as the story kind of unfolds, she has to break the cycle because a lot of it was, um, you know, it happened with her parents and to her parents. And then she kind of repl- replicated what she saw. Um, and then as she moved out of her relationship and kind of sought help, she realized like what it would take to, to break the cycle, to empower herself and then empower her daughter. So it was really powerful. So that's one that I would really suggest as just like a young adult kind of audience. No, that's a, I mean, you brought up a good point. I think a lot of these young, um, teenagers that get in relationships they model what they see in the household right yeah. so that's kind of a hard discussion to have sometimes if there is some kind of uh, mental or physical abuse going in the the parental relationship that you know you're trying to have a conversation but then you might have a a teenager say i i see this at home and you know so i guess if if it's a teenager that sees something that they don't you know they've learned and and agree is there resources for them to, to reach out and, and talk to somebody? Absolutely. So they can always call Hope United, reach out to us online. Um, one of the things that we're doing this month is partnering with the school resource officers in Gaston County Schools to kind of train the trainer so that they know what to look for, that they can give the appropriate resources because they're in the schools and sometimes they see things that other folks may not see. Sure. So that's one of the things you can, uh, hopefully by the end of this month, you can see your school resource officer if, if that would be helpful. Um, there are text um, lines if, if you wanted to, like at, na- at the national level. Um, there's also like volunteer opportunities, which sometimes that's how we have gotten teens to get involved and then they educate themselves and then they talk to other kids in the community and become um really well versed in the in what's available but also like what are the red red flags and all of that so they can always reach out to hope united also to the kathy mavery Conniger center um you know we talked about how it's cyclical and sometimes at this point 
the shelter's been open for 40 years. So we're seeing, you know, kids that came into the shelter as children now kind of repeating that cycle. And, oh, wow. and one, one of our goals is to break that cycle, to provide education, to provide awareness, to let people know that this is not, you don't have to live like this and we're here to help. You tell us the barrier and we'll tell you how to remove it. So that's our goal. One of the things that we talked about last month is that, you know, you guys are all about setting up, you know, the level of confidentiality that the person is okay with. So if they want to come to you and they want to keep things, you know, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to press charges or whatever. I mean, you guys are just about connecting with them and getting them, you know, the resources, being able to talk through them and making sure that they're comfortable throughout the entire process, right? Correct. It is 100% survivor-led. So if someone reached out to us and they were experiencing dating violence and all they wanted was to talk, um, we can certainly do that. We're not going to say to them, um, you know, we're, you have to press charges or mm-hmm. we need you to go with us right now to the police station. Um, and even if it, all they want is food or if they just need a ride or they need wh- whatever the case may be, we're all about whatever the survivor needs is what we're going to provide, whether it's what we think is best or not. It's irrelevant. Um, it's totally up to them. You talked about working with some of the, the SROs and, and Hope United as an organization or a program is relatively new. Has there been other work that's been done here locally in the past or are you guys kind of breaking new ground in Gaston County on some of this stuff? So we have, the shelter has previously, when I was under the shelter, this this is like my personal, um, I feel passionately, personally, about teen dating violence. So as I came into the shelter years ago, I was like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And there had been a few programs over the years, um, one of the, a, a lot centered around prom. So okay. we had like prom safety cards. So we're hoping to um, launch more safety resources that kids can take with them. But what we're learning is that they would rather just download it rather than carry something around. So um, we're pivoting. But, yeah, a lot of this work is uh, is the first to be done in Gaston County for sure. When we're talking about teen dating violence, I mean, does that also encapsulate, like, teens feeling pressured into, like, sexual activity sort of stuff? Does that kind of count or is that, like, something that you're working on in parallel? In parallel, I would say a lot of times what we see is teens who have been pressured to, let's say, send pictures that were Mm -hmm. between what they assumed was a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, And then those are used as leverage to um, get them to do things. It's a means of power and control, which is what it all boils down to. So um, sometimes being pressured into doing something sexually that they wouldn't want anyone else to know um, can be used as leverage, also as power and control. And that's true of, of domestic violence as a whole. And I think that that's important to talk about too, because, you know, we were just talking about it, you know, we're not that old and this has happened, but social media has changed the game about keeping, you know, personal stuff personal, but also using it as leverage for power over people or shaming them or bullying them. Absolutely. So I give this example a lot, too, when we're in classrooms. And I say, if I stand up in front of this classroom and tell everybody that um, you're stupid, right, then one, two, three, four, 30 people might hear me say that. And maybe it'll get out. Maybe other people will talk about it. But if I can go online and I have, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand, however many followers, and I can say something negative about you, Mm -hmm. 
or out you or share a picture of you, then my um, audience is much larger and it's much more effective and the power and control dynamic is is a little different when you talk about posting something online because we also hear you know that's forever it never oh, go yeah. it goes never goes away so um and we talk about sharing passwords too um we know of you know situations where you know you're dating and everything's great and you know somebody says well what's your password i just want to get on your phone and check so and so well then you break up and that power and control dynamic is is um, challenged, and that's when you see people do a lot of erratic things um, because they're losing the power and control. But if they have your password and they can log on to your email, I don't know about you guys, but I get an email for every move I make. We were just talking about a trip I made. Mm-hmm. Someone could have tracked my every move if they had access to my sure. email. Um, so sharing passwords online is another one because it's, Everything is online, so it's like a gateway to your entire life, and then your privacy is is kind of gone if somebody has that. So, like, I, I think a lot of times you guys are very focused on the survivor, but is there anything that people should be watching for? Like, if, say, I've got a teenage son, and they're displaying, like, some some types of behaviors in a relationship, you know, what are ways to have conversations with them, or what are, what are things to be looking for on that side of things to maybe help stop something or before it gets too far down the road. So we, we do talk about that when we go into the schools as well in our presentation, kind of what can you do if you are the survivor? What can you do if you are the perpetrator? Mm. Um, and what you have control over is yourself. And so um, kind of taking the initiative to seek out those services, whether it's mental health services that you need or you need somebody to talk to. Um, there are better intervention programs. I don't think that they're available to people under 18. Okay. Um, but there are resources out there. And, um, so recognizing that's that in yourself or recognizing that in even your friend and being able to say, Hey, Adam, I think you're crossing the line. Mm. Um, and here's what we can do about it. Or let's talk about it. Or, um, you know, Vincent deserved to be, (laughs) deserves to be treated better than that. Um, are we sure? I don't know. (laughs) I guess to be determined really. But, um, Keeping the lines of communication open because when we kind of, all this kind of happens like in where we don't it's like don't look don't talk about it don't right. d- you know it's very like um, it's taboo taboo that's the word um, so kind of drawing attention just stating hey Adam you don't need to go through his phone or hey Adam why are you going through his phone just bringing it you because maybe you're not aware maybe it's something that you've seen in your family for a long time and then. Just holding, setting boundaries and holding people accountable. What resources do you have or are partnering with school? Because I look at it from a, a unique perspective when you're talking about teen dating violence. Uh, that student has to go to that school, right? And sometimes mm. it's hard. Like if it's my job, I can talk to HR or talk to my boss or I have those outlets. Or if, you know, I don't want to see Adam that day, I take the other door. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're constantly involved in that inner circle and you have to go to school what is armed with the school to help or you know make that safe environment for them so my hope would be that if there was a student that felt like they needed a safe what I would call a safety plan so maybe 
kind of looking at it in less of a black and white way, and I know that the school system has to look at it in a very black and white way, but um, maybe just getting creative with making sure that the student feels safe walking to their car, mm-hmm. that um, that the SROs are aware, that their, that their teachers are aware, and kind of going through the what-ifs with that student. Um, and hopefully we'll get there, and I think through education and awareness and hopefully some of what we're bringing into the schools through through meeting with the SROs and things like that is um, that can happen. Because I think a lot of times they, you know, it's like, well, I know it's happening, but what do I do about it? And um, so we're developing that. It's coming. Well, I think back to when I was in high school and, um, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers, um, their brains are interesting. Um, And, you know, some of the folks that I hung out with, there were definitely instances where it's like, you know, somebody would be dating someone and like for the guys, especially it was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like she'll do whatever. Like she's always like, you can text her whenever and she'll respond right away and all this sort of stuff. And it was almost like the idea of getting that power in the relationship and abusing it um, was like showed off your machismo, showed off your, you know, you know, I'm the top dog sort of thing. And it's like, you know, look what I can do and get away with. And I can be a jerk to her and it doesn't matter sort of thing. Cause she'll, you know, she's just so grateful that, you know, I'm dating her sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, with high school students, obviously not every friend group is like that, but um, being brave enough to speak out when you see those types of behaviors, like it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And certainly only if it would be safe. Like, if right. you, you know, it could be a situation where it's like, maybe I need to elevate this to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Like, there is that guy. There's that guy in almost in it probably every school where it's like um, just that attitude of she'll do whatever I want. Look, mm-hmm. look and see, you know, look and see what she's going to do for me next or um, almost like a game. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's where those like setting healthy boundaries as like a team, like here's where I will meet you instead of like just, but I mean, high schoolers are middle school. They're, We've had interesting brains at that point <laughs> in our lives. And, and it's, we have, you know, kind of one-track minds in a lot of ways. Sure. But if I get the this boyfriend or, you know, if I, this or that, it will be, everything will be fine. But it's really kind of, our program talks about, you know, what do you want and not what will make you look the coolest. Like, what would make you the happiest? What kind of relationship? Describe your perfect partner. Now, does the perp- does the person that you're dating, do they fit that okay you deserve better and it's not a them problem it's a you know I have control over my life kind of thing so if you're a parent when when do you think is the best time to start talking to kids about you know setting expectations for dating and that sort of stuff I mean is there is there a quote-unquote perfect age or is it kind of depend upon the maturity of your kid it definitely depends upon the maturity of kids you have you know kids that will date in middle school and you have kids that will you know, it could be later in college when they are interested because maybe they're focused on school or sports or um, whatever the case may be. But I think starting with the body safety when they're young, very mm-hmm. young, and just kind of building on that as it's appropriate for that individual child. Um, and they may have questions for you. or um, And we're certainly a resource if, if somebody – you can submit a question to our website through a contact us page and it's 
you know, it's 100% confidential. Yeah, I think um, this past couple weeks I've seen a lot of uh, friends on social media post about um, daddy-daughter dances and how they're using that as opportunities to show their daughter how they should be treated. Mm -hmm. So it's a... Like, it's an introduction to it, but it's not very abrasive or aggressive. Right. And I think that's important to, for parents to understand that, you know, a lot of this is learned or modeled behavior. Mm-hmm. And so if they can show and talk about what a healthy relationship is and, and model that, that it can help curtail a lot of this. Absolutely. That's a really great idea to use those um, dances as, like, I guess it would be like a first date for a lot of sure. little girls. But that's a, that is a good idea. Anything else about the the program, anything that you guys are doing for, for um, this month, and whether it's on social media or in, in your programming that we didn't ask you about that you wanted to mention? Um, we're, we have taken to social media for teen dating violence. Um, the schools through our, you know, talking with some of our SROs, um, but following us on Facebook, uh, Hope United or the Kathy Mabry, Mabry Kroniger Center, um, to see kind of the education pieces. Um, the CAC, the Lighthouse, will be touching on it as well during the month of February. We have Wear Orange Day, so we've asked all of our community partners on February 10th to wear orange. Um, and it's kind of a subtle way to let, you know, people in the community know, A, we care, and if it's somebody that is out there suffering right now, that look at this team of people who's aware that this is going on and they're taking a stand by wearing orange in February, like that's the worst color, right? Like that's that's yep. not. We're really going out on a limb there, um, but taking a stand that we support um, survivors and that we're committed to doing something about it in Gaston County. So um, that's like our our big thing this this month is is February tenth. So wear wear orange. I'm still I don't know yet what I'm gonna wear. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. If I put an orange shirt on, my wife goes. Yeah. Did you, did you think that through? <laughs> Just a lot of Halloween costumes. There, there, yeah. yeah, there you go. But I, th- I think it's it's an important uh, conversation to have. I think, you know, when you look at this, not everybody's case is black and white. It's not, it, it's different for different people. And I I look back at, at, you know, when we were kids and how we were raised, but how do you start that conversation? Because sometimes you can be like, oh, that's just teenage drama and kind of dismiss it. So how do you really open that door and and make sure people feel validated in how they feel? I was actually just talking to somebody about this this morning in kind of a different context, more of a bullying context. But um, I think what, like we talked about, modeling um, behavior, but maybe that's not the best tactic if if somebody comes to you and they say this is what I'm going through is really letting them know that they're supported that you care but also that it's not a them problem that Mm -hmm. it is an issue with the either the abuser or the bully um and kind of looking at it through the lens of isn't that sad that that's what they think they have to do like isn't it sad that he feels like he needs to text you a a, you know 50,000 times a day um or isn't it sad that he or she tried to, you know, hack into your social media account or, um, so really showing support, but also letting them know they're not alone and that it's not a, there's nothing wrong with them. Um, that there's something wrong with the relationship and, um, and, and the abuser. Well, that's a fairly common thing where victims a lot of times are like, 
what what did I do to bring it to this point sort of thing where there's you're kind of racking your brain about you know should I have done something differently or you know what signals were I se- was I sending that that made this person behave this way mm-hmm. and it's totally as a having been a teenage girl I know like I, I can't re- relate to that you don't remember no I don't <laughs> I, I, blocked um. that, I blocked that out of my memory <laughs> But it, it is like a constant, like, second-guessing yourself, mm. you know, like, with everything, really. But um, it's such a time of, like, not really knowing yourself fully. Um, and so you get a lot of your validation from people externally. And so um, when something happens to you or somebody is unkind to you or is abusive towards you, sometimes you kind of internalize that and say, Maybe if I did this, then they would do that. Or thinking you could control somebody's somebody else's behavior by changing yourself. If they're, you know, some people are just abusers, right. and they need help, and it, it goes outside of that relationship. It, is there some sense of like, you know, teenagers don't necessarily feel comfortable talking to mom and dad because maybe they just they don't they haven't developed that trust in that relationship. Maybe to be able to to get into issues that deep, or maybe it's a um, uh, you know, mom's old or mom wouldn't be able to relate to this or she never went through this. I mean, is there, do you guys get people that feel more comfortable talking to you because you're almost like this impartial third party? Yeah, I think so. Um, in that, I think that's true of, um, all of our work that we do around the crisis line. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to, to tell somebody on the phone, the things that you have been, kind of holding in and Mm -hmm. you kind of let it all, you know, out. But um, certainly for teens talking, you were talking about the the shotgun on the shotgun (laughs) on the front porch. And that might be the fear of a daughter is like, I don't want to tell my dad because I certainly don't want him to sit on the front porch with a shotgun for the next month and a half. Um, Like that crazy guy, Adam down the street does. Mm -hmm. But um, so there is that fear that their parents may overreact or have no idea what they're talking about. Like, they, their parents probably, maybe maybe they did, probably didn't meet on a dating website, but, but so they don't understand the nuances to it. And so reaching out to somebody else. And um, one of the things we talk about in body safety is like identifying five people um, at a young age that you can tell anything to. Hmm. Um, so outside of just your mom and your dad, do you have a Boy Scout leader, a Girl Scout leader? Is there someone in your church or faith-based community that you could reach out to? Or even like another friend's parents or um, whoever, you know, just five people in your life that um, you feel like you could give information to and they would be responsible and respectful with it. I think that's an interesting thing that you brought up, Adam, though, because I can see, you know, if if I'm a teenager and I got some freedom to date and have it and something goes wrong and if I tell yeah. my parents well, they won't let me do that again. Yeah. And so I lose yep, that. That's freedom. it. No more dating. No more dating. Mm-hmm. I told you this was going to happen kind yep. of thing. And so it's really about having to have an open conversation and understand, like you said, that it's not the, the victim's fault, right? Mm-hmm. And there, it, it can happen, and it's unfortunate that it will, but let's tool you with the knowledge and the skills to overcome that if you need mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because it is. Um, it is becoming more and more widespread. I think it's one in eleven high school students and one in one in eleven high school girls and one in fourteen high school boys. So it, it's probably a lot more um, 
prevalent than we even realize. And that's who's reporting it. But yeah. we have, you know, kids who are afraid to report it because they think that their their partner might get in trouble. So keeping as a parent, as a caregiver, or even just a, an aunt or an uncle, keeping an open line of communication um, and a level head, which is really hard when your kid comes to you with something um, that where they're being hurt or victimized, it's hard to keep a level head. Um, but level heads prevail. So, you know, it will pay off to kind of keep those lines of communication open and um, provide resources instead of maybe reactions that could be detrimental. One of my favorite shows right now is Ted Lasso, and there's a <laughs> character in there, Roy Kent, uh-huh. and he's basically... There's a there's an episode where his I think she's six his six year old niece is getting bullied at school and so like his first reaction is like I'm gonna go beat up the kid that's yeah <laughs> I want to go beat up the six year old yeah so like I, yeah I I think for a lot of parents it's like pushing that aside of like I want to go save my son or my daughter from the situation and calmly working with them to give them the best sounding board and that and the best resources and you know, that's one of the things I think that I have to learn constantly as a parent is like, I can't save my kid in every situation. Right. Like sometimes I need them to go through stuff and learn it for themselves. It's so painful as a parent. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly painful to watch your kids go through even just like, you know, elementary school. I don't want to sit next to you kind of stuff mm-hmm. or, um, you know, playground he won't let me swing on the big swing like I want to or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's really hard. And the bigger the kids get, the bigger their problems get. And so um, I know I'm, I have a child on the brink of middle school and I'm really dreading that. And so I'm trying, yeah, it's going to be rough. Um, But having these conversations with him and just letting him know there's nothing he can tell me that would change my mind about how I feel about him. Um, And we'll figure it out together. And that's probably a good conversation to have because there's a lot of weird stuff that goes in middle school boys' heads. Oh, God, <laughs> Adam. Maybe I need you to sit on my front porch. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, no, it, it, they get weirder by the day, I swear they do. It's For a while, my, my wife and I taught Sunday school, and we did third to fifth grade, and then I was also helping back when we lived in Arizona with the middle school and the high school youth group because we had a we had a relatively small church and so it was probably they combined that group and it was maybe 15 kids or so and yeah middle school boys it's just some of the stuff it's like really mm-hmm. how we, why <laughs> and they feed off of each other too yeah. i've noticed that yeah it, they just like yeah it's I'm like gonna <laughs> <laughs> gonna need some help over the next couple of years but yeah it's just those conversations about I know you're going to get really weird, but I'm mm-hmm. still going to be here for right, you. Right, right. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Just, you know, talk to me about it, and I'll try not to wince. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll save my cringing for later. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. keep your mask on when you're talking to yeah. so they can't see your facial expression. My my mask and my sunglasses. I'm like, listen, I'm sorry. We're going to have to have this conversation outside. Yes. Um, where I can wear my mask and my sunglasses. That's, you know, it's safety. It's yeah. safety first. Yes, it really is. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, I, I totally feel the parents' pain when they are having these hard conversations because I certainly started, dipped my toe in the water of that, but also worked with kids that have come through the shelter as teenagers, mm-hmm. and they're kind of um, 
they're questioning what their idea of what a healthy relationship is because a lot of times kids aren't privy to what's going on in their parents' relationships. Sure. And until it explodes, and that can be really scary and create some some trust issues and um, some anxiety about the unknown. So um, we've seen it in lots of different capacities at Hope United and at the shelter. Well, Molly, I want to thank you for coming on, for talking to us about uh, teen dating violence and just kind of the work that Hope United is doing. Um, I know you talked about social media, but the website for Hope United is? www.hopeunitedgaston.com. Cool. And that's a fantastic website. You guys have had it up now for a few months, and it's um, really a valuable resource for a lot of different folks. Yeah, it's got a Give Hope where you can sign up to volunteer and also a Get Hope. So if you're feeling like Paige, so if you need those resources, there's a a special place on our website to, to get the hope and the resources that you need. Good deal. Thank you for uh, being in the community and providing this resource. Yeah, thank you guys for having me today. And on a side note, before you cut off, Adam, I just wanted to congratulate you on 3,000 do- downloads on the, on the oh, podcast. Oh, thank you. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. So we've uh, we've been at this for almost a year and a half now, and we're we're really excited. We're continuing to grow our audience by the week, and we're, we're just really um, thrilled to have the community really engaging with us. So we... Thank you, the listeners, for uh, continuing to uh, put your trust in us to bring you something worth listening to. Awesome. Thank you.